What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondebold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Brian Chiotti of Coast is Clear and Hell Pie. It was great catching up with him since I feel like it's been a decade since I've seen him. We go through his history with music, how close the community is now, breaking free from traditional genre boxes, and how humans really aren't ready to be humans. We recorded this episode at my house, so you'll probably hear some background noise here and there. I edit these episodes mostly by myself, and I'm working on getting better audio quality-wise. Let me know how everything sounds. I tried using some different techniques this episode, which is partially why it's a little late. We talk a lot about Brian filling in for the band Crow Hunter. They have two big shows coming up on January 18th and January 25th at Anthony's Bar and Grill in Dunkirk. Crow Hunter will be dropping their debut album, SOMD, along with Stonebrew dropping their album, Soundtracks of the Working Class. Coast is Clear will have a show at Anthony's in May. Help I is working on their new album, and Brian himself is working on some solo stuff, so I'm pretty excited to hear that. I'll have all the links and details in the show notes, so check it all out. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcasts. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. So let's let's do this. You're in Coast is Clear yep. and Crow Hunter now, right? No. No. Guitar and Coast is clear, and then bass and Help High. And then I. I didn't even know Help High. Okay, cool. Fill in for Crow Hunter every now and then. That All right, that's what it is. Oh, kid doesn't like to pass up a show, so <laughs> he kind of grabs like whoever he can. And, you know, I learned the songs before because I was playing with him quite a bit. Like me and Cody mm-hmm. were kind of filling in a lot for him. And um, George from Stonebrew fills in every now and then. So. Half the time, we're not even playing with other people in Crow Hunter. It's like a whole new Crow Hunter every time. But it's all the same songs? Yeah, yeah. That's wild. It was fun. I was uh, I interviewed Space Lumberjacks uh, not too long ago, and they were talking about how I think it was Dalton that was too drunk to play. Um, and someone else went up. I want to say it was from Crow Hunter and played like three songs during that show for him. So I wonder if it was Joe or something. Maybe I don't. I don't remember. Um, but it was funny, and the the thing that I took away is that everybody in the area just pitches in, and like you guys are all close, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, pretty much Stonebrew, Crow Hunter, and Coast is clear. It's you know Joe's guitar player in Crow Hunter. So then Cody's Cody was in Stonebrew. Now he's in Roachzilla. So it's like yeah, I mean we all play together. We all know like. Everybody's song. I think it's cool as hell. Like it's it's so cool to be able to do that. Yeah, it's just like extended family. Yeah. These are just all your cousins that you get together and be like, Yeah, I can do my own thing, but then we're gonna have just a reunion in here and then you're gonna do whatever else. It's like a good refresher sometimes too, because it's like you get so caught up in the writing and everything in your own band and everything sometimes it like it's almost like you need like a little mental break and then something like that happens, you're like, Oh, cool. Like I'll go jump on that and then just kind of fill in and get a little bit of a reset. That's wild. When did you start playing guitar? I started playing guitar around like 
14 or 15, I got an acoustic from a, one of my parents' friends who passed away, but it was like the hardest thing to play. It was like a kind of ovation style, like a, but it was a Carlos, and the action was so horrible on it. Like I almost, I was taking lessons at Sacchetti's when they were back in uh, Prince Frederick mm-hmm. by the Blockbuster. <laughs> I actually stopped taking lessons, lessons completely, stopped playing guitar for a while just because the lessons were just not what I thought it was going to be. And that guitar was so hard to play, I couldn't even get a clear note out. I think the next year for Christmas, my dad got me like the first act kind of guitar kit. And and just kind of like a step up to where it's almost playable at that point, right? Yeah, because electrics in general, like like when I worked at Hot Licks, like I would always push everybody towards the electrics because I knew it worked for me because the strings are thinner, like you can – push them down easier you can get stuff going a lot faster and it's like not such a not such a big ball of stress sometimes <laughs> like getting a, getting a note to come out clear on an acoustic when you're playing the, it's just like it sounds horrible number one and it's like you know i was listening to like megadeth and all that right, stuff right, so i'm right. sitting here with an acoustic like uh what <laughs> trying to power record your way all the way through and just trying to not mess up on the notes because you'll actually hear them at that point. Yeah, it's like it doesn't sound the same at all. Like, no, yeah. I don't know what's happening here. I just got different strings for um, my guitar, and they're super bright, and any kind of mistake, which is all the time, just comes through. And I, I've been playing for like a year and a half, two years, something like that, and it I've not learned a thing. Um, but I have learned that I fuck up constantly i fuck up all the time especially live i'm like oh god damn dude like are people enjoying this or is it well i don't think anybody can really tell because they're just it's a wall of sound at one point right yeah true yeah if, probably if... just turn it up so loud you can't tell when we mess up <laughs> i got it i got to a point where my dog stopped licking my hand to stop me from playing so now he just lays on the, the couch and he listens and it's fine but as soon as I changed those strings, I was just like, this all sounds terrible. I don't know what, because I guess I, I got the, the guitar with the strings that were on there, and that guitar is probably in that shop for a few years. So they were dull, and that was probably the way that they should have stayed. That way no one heard it out. It could just be like the, the type of strings you got, too, because some strings are brighter, and they they just sound like, if you switch from like a phosphorus bronze to like yeah. an 8020, it's like night and day, and it's it's kind of yeah, like you're describing, like raspy and just like tinny, and yeah. And then yeah. it really vibrates when you screw up, and it's like, hey man, it really vibrates when you screw up. Yeah, because I I feel it and I hear it, and I'm just like, I I don't want to do any of this ever, and it's the worst. So you got that first act, you started doing lessons at Sacchetti. So how did that go for you? After I had the first act, I kind of. Basically, I think I did a couple lessons, and then I just... Actually, my guitar teacher, she ended up ODing and going to the hospital. And I think I had, like, three lessons with her. And I didn't know what the hell ODing was back then, so I was just kind of like... Well, how old were you at that point? Like, 14 or 15. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just getting into high school, not knowing what all the the crazy nonsense is. Yeah, and I wasn't... You know, I just had it to kind of kick around. Like, I wasn't... I'd learned, like, some songs... um, one of my best friends at the time, he was showing me just a lot of stuff like power chords and real basic stuff mm-hmm. like that. And kind of, I guess after that, it just, it was like a side kicker. I was skateboarding all the time. So that was definitely a hundred percent of my time. <laughs> and then, you know, I just had the guitar kind of 
lying around and just, you know, and started to notice I'd pick it up more and more and more and more and more. And eventually, I think it was junior or going into my senior year of high school, I kind of started hanging out with uh, Glenn and Joe. Mm-hmm. They lived right down the street, and we worked at this uh, amusement place together. And, you know, they are they had been playing already for, like, years and stuff. So I ended up going over there and kind of jamming with them every now and then. And next thing you know, like, they're asking me to join their band, and they got a show in, like, a week. <laughs> and they want me to play it. <laughs> and this is when it all started, like, the fill-in, dude. Like... <laughs> Because I I had no idea how to play these That's songs. Hilarious. I'm just up there like I had this like Marshall full stack that I didn't turn up loud enough because you know I'm just new to it. How and did I you didn't not know. turn it up loud enough? I didn't know how loud loud was. Like I didn't. <laughs> I'm always like that kind of person where it's like if I don't need to be loud, I won't be. Right. Like just with my voice. So I guess that kind of carries over into even your guitar player. Yeah, my instrument because everybody's either telling me to turn up, but then it's like. When I turn up, they're like, oh, turn down, turn down. You're too loud. I'm like, that's my life. <laughs> like, I'm either not talking or I'm saying too much, too loudly. I don't have a happy balance. That's hilarious. So how was that first show? It was pretty cool. It was at All Saints Church. Um, I cannot, for the life of me, remember the other bands who played. I know it was a Nick Garrett show. And that was a church. I don't know. It's... Uh... That was near Sunderland or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like right at the 2-4 split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they were, were like one of the only places doing shows back then. So it was... Right. Because that was... I feel like that church was doing shows, I felt like, for years. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they were. Even before I started doing anything. Uh, or I feel like they were around for just as long, if not longer, than even Fred Heather was doing shows. Yeah, probably so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was always weird because I was friends with everybody down in St. Mary's that were playing music, but we never knew anything was happening just an hour up the road. Yeah, that's kind of how it was for us because it's – and there was nowhere to play up here back then. Like, that's why we always strictly played the community center yeah. down in Lesby because it's all there was. It's like, you know, we're too young to, for bars to want us in there, you know, because we're right. not going to bring anybody to – drink you know and we, we suffered with that for years and years so it's now did you get into my brother's place at all yeah yeah we played there we actually okay. got kicked out of there one time because <laughs> like we loved kind of playing there but it was just like one of those things it was almost like a fred heather just vibe it was right you know you can't put your feet up on the monitors and you know you can't can't let loose can't do this can't do that right. you know it's and I think we knew it was going to be our last time there, so we ended up turning our amps up just all the way, and we uh, <laughs> we covered "God Hates Us All." Nice, and you know it was, you know, looking back, I guess it was kind of screwed up, but it's still also a little well, bit of funny because it was kind of like a church-based thing. Yeah, 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 it was. It was supposed to be like that, and it was also interesting because all sorts of bands played there. They didn't have just one thing that they were going for. And it felt like there were many hands that were going in there because I was able to do shows there a couple times. Uh, and then there was a whole bunch of other people that were doing shows there. And I feel like even the bands just booked themselves a lot of times. Yeah, that was kind of a – that was a pretty hot spot for, like, 
the younger bands to play like other than like that was the only other place i can really think of that we ended up really doing i mean we'd go all the way to jack's sometimes in yeah. springfield but you know that was always just like nobody's coming to see us <laughs> right. so it's like that was forever ago too yeah well so what band was that that was a uh, defenestrate okay and that was the first actual like band i was band. in okay yeah and, and that then- was with joe who I've been Joe, who was in Pistol Creek Gang, and, right, right, right. You know, he's in Crow Hunter, and Coast is clear now. And then Glenn started off in that band too, his brother, and then he's in Coast now too. So it's like kind of, and we've hung out through the years, but because I think the other thing that's interesting is that Calvert has always had like more metal. It I feel like that county has always produced like more harder. Uh, St. Mary's was a little eclectic, and Charles was way more seen. So whatever was popular at the time. Yeah, the the emo was definitely <laughs> right. If you were right. playing the emo, what you played like my brother's place, you were not like gonna be the favorite there. Right, exactly. And it was just it was interesting to me because when I started doing shows in in Lusby at the community center, trying to get Calvert bands, like there was only really a few of them that may have done something different than metal. And that, that was kind of hard to, to really get different styles in there. But I thought it was interesting that each County had its own kind of like brand of music almost. Yeah. And see, and I missed out on like, you know, St. Mary's and cause I guess we didn't really, you know, we just hung out at the band house and, you know, we didn't really, it's not like it is right now. Like right now, I, I wish the community now was like back then because this is like at the same point. I don't think it could be because I hate to say it, but the whole like over twenty one thing really played a big factor. Because now we're able to play in some of the bars and we're kind of taking over a little bit. Yeah, well, and it's also interesting. I think for you guys, where you are doing um, well from that county, more metal because you're going to have to reach out to other venues like Jacks way back in the day that are metal venues. So you're not even really able to play too much in your own backyard for the most part. Right? No. And, and I hope nobody like crucifies me for saying this, but I know like, especially like pistol Creek gang when we were doing that. Um, and even back in the finish rate, we were always the kind of the, even though we played metal, we were always kind of the, you know, the sore thumb like sticking out because (laughs) we weren't doing the hardcore stuff. And, Right. Hardcore was just like, if you weren't doing hardcore, then like, you know, Pistol Creek Gang got called a country band. And I go back and listen to it now. I'm like, what? It's like, I don't see the country music. But, you know, that's coming from a bunch of little obnoxious, you know, teenagers that we all were back then. So it is. But it's just like, you know, we never jumped on the whole hardcore. Like, you know, we're going to do breakdowns in every song. We, you know, we were always playing guitar solos and stuff. So we were kind of the outcasts in that point. Like I heard a couple people say back in the day, like, I don't know why you play guitar solos and stuff like that. I'm like, why does it matter? We're just playing music, man. <laughs> like, I like something we like. Yeah, yeah. Like I like something different than you. It's fine. Like, it's so silly. It's both like nice. And then also, not as nice because when you look at it nowadays that the community is there, all the people that have been playing music for 10, 15 years in the area, they've all seemed to come finally together to try and actually build something 
which is awesome. But at the same time, I don't feel like there's that spot for the younger kids to play anymore. And I, I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of the same thing. You know, it's a lot of people aren't willing to like let the younger kids kind of play out in the same shows as them. And, you know, some of it's the bars and stuff, too. Like I was in a. I was in Electric Manus and, you know, we got Jake, who was an awesome guitar player, but he was under 21. So it was, you know, I was getting offered shows from people, but they were like, yeah, it's 21 and over only even for the band members. And I was like, I kind of understand like why the younger kids can't get out to some of these shows and yeah. like play in them. But I must feel like we need to kind of, you know, figure out a way to make that happen because they're the ones that are going to, you know, I'm 30 now. So I'm just like... You know, it's it's been a cool ride, but I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of doing this to do it now. Like, right? You have you have a, a wife, a job, like a house. That's that's gonna be very difficult to, I feel like, get into. Seriously, you know, it's it's got to be like it's probably cool to be able to do it around here, but to actually pursue it seriously again, I don't know. Yeah, to go on like a three month long tour or something like that, it's probably more like i gotta work around like you know when do i have vacation to take the tour like it's gonna be kind of more like that now which is you know and i'm cool with it. i'm content with it you know i've had fun i've played so many shows and stuff it's it have a lot of experiences with it so it's like cool did you ever go on like the traditional tour no I've never gotten to do that. Is that something that you look back at and you're like, mm, I would love to be able to do that? Or it's more like, I'm kind of happy that I missed that because that's a whole other side of things that you may or may not want to deal with. Yeah, I feel like if we went on the tour, it's just, it could have ruined things pretty fast, I guess. Like, <laughs> there's so many, it could have been amazing, but it could have been horrible. Like, right, it, right, right. You know, because you never know, like, I guess what the old road's going to do to you, you know, it's, you know, you're so close to everybody, but then like, once you're really close to them, it's like, you know, is everybody going to be cool with the same thing? Like waking up, like eating double cheeseburgers and like sleeping in a van being dirty as hell for like a long ass time. But, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really look back and like kind of say like, I really wish I did that. Like, I mean, I wish it, you know, would have worked out to where I was, you know, touring, like getting the, getting on the labels and stuff like that. But even like kind of looking back on that, it's just like, you know, music's just kind of here to be music. It's not, you know, I don't think everybody gets to do that. One of the things for you then, because you didn't really get to tour that much, is that something that you think about with this band or with any of the ones that you're in, like Coast is Clear or, or anything where you're thinking about trying to do more weekend trips or think about what the future is for the band or are you looking at even because when you get older it's obviously harder so how do you try to market yourselves to get out there a little bit more i'd probably say right now like kind of more just like pushing online stuff and Mm -hmm. like kind of that way just seems to be the way to go it's I mean, I've seen so many bands. Like, I drove to Norfolk one time to see this band from Ohio, and there was, like, seven people there. So it was, like, right? you know, it's, like, is this what touring is? Like, <laughs> is it just the same? Is it just, like, the same kind of, you know, local shows that, 
you know, just everywhere, except it's a lot harder because nobody knows who the hell you are. Right. It can look like that, right? Yeah. It's, but I mean, it's, yeah, I think right now I'm more just kind of like, I always have like the push, push, push thing. Like, you know, I don't mind playing like three shows in a row, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it's probably going to be like, you know, Baltimore, DC and, you know, Calvert or St. Mary's or something. I don't, and, you know, maybe, you know, I've thought about going up the trying to get his shows up in Philly and like mm-hmm. kind of spreading out a little bit. But I don't think we're going to take the cross country, you know, touring right. time soon out to like Washington and like loop around or anything like that or anything. Well, with that being said, too, do you think more about your shows now? Do you look at it and be like, well, I don't want to play Baltimore three nights in a row. I do want to be able to spread it out. Yeah, definitely, because it's, you know, even even playing in Calvert, like, it's, it, even, I'll even go further, like, the Tri-County area, it's, like, I don't typically want to play a show, you know, at 5 South, and then, you know, the next weekend play up at Calvert, and then, you know, play down in St. Leonard, or, you know, wherever after that, because it's just, like, I must feel kind of bad for people making them come out and, like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want you to have to see, like, what I'm doing, like, so right, close together right. it's like you know it's i know part of it's just kind of you know it's just something i don't know why i even like kind of do music really it's i mean it's i know it makes me feel really good it's just it's like a really good therapy for me but like outside of that it's almost just kind of weird that you know i can't kind of wrap my head around lately like sitting there like writing music at, at home or you know at band practice and i'm mm-hmm. like and then we're going to go out and play it in front of a bunch of people who, you know, I guess they're supposed to like it. I'm, I'm just like, is that how this works? I was like, this is kind of weird when you really, like, break it down and right, think about right. it. Like, But at the same point, you know, it's like, I don't know, I really like, I really like the idea of unity. And music is definitely something to bring people together. Sure, like, it's yeah. definitely like. You know, it's a universal language. You don't even have to speak somebody's language, but you can communicate through music with them, like pretty easily. Um, For sure. When did you kind of get that mindset? Was that something that you had when you were younger too, and going through some of the the bands that you were in before? No, I was pretty angry when I was younger, so like I definitely <laughs> did not have that mindset. Like I was a little asshole. Like, and it's unfortunately a lot of that has stuck with me. But um, I think kind of. Probably when towards maybe like the end of Pistol Creek Gang, like getting into like Electric Manus and all that mm-hmm. stuff, I kind of more so just started, I guess, chilling out, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. It's just like, because it's, I think when I was younger, I had so much drive, like it was just like, dun, dun, dun. like I have to kind of like always keep this going. Like I really got to push this the furthest. And that kind of goes back to where I'm like either on the bus or I'm off the bus. And it's right. like, and I'm sure it drives like the people around me crazy, but usually I'm just like either going full throttle with with pushing the band and doing everything I can, and then you know if something might falter or like something like that, then it's just kind of like I try to take a pretty big step back and kind of readjust myself and see what's actually going on because <laughs> sometimes I get so caught up in it, it's just like yeah. Well, I mean that's a a big sign of the maturity aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, I mean, you have been playing music for what, 15 years at least? So I'm sure at one point you're going to be able to reflect a little bit more. And like to your point, it is crazy. 
why do people come out to things? Come out I to my know. metal recital. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like bring your parents. <laughs> come see my band play. That's hilarious all the way through. Do you... So... That's a that's a good question then. So do you feel like the same, not dedication, but the same amount of hustle to get people out to your shows now? Or is it something that you even think about? Yeah, I definitely think about it. Like it's, I definitely try to hustle, like, you know, do the whole invite thing, like sure. to everybody. But, you know, even, unfortunately, like I don't know a way around Facebook to try to get people out to shows anymore. Because, you know, I was still dropping off flyers to places for a while even like when facebook and myspace was out and it's just like who's seeing these like because <laughs> again you know back in the finish rate when we were all too young to drink you know i go drop them off in liquor stores it's like none of our friends are going to see these like <laughs> yeah and you know the flyers were horrible so it's like metal metal flyers have a certain kind of charm because you can't read the names to begin with so you can't read the details yeah. you have no idea what is happening it just might look cool, but it's usually looking like a jumbled mess. Yeah. And I know, like, metal scares people. Every time, you know, somebody would, you know, they look at me and they're like, oh, you play metal. You play that metal stuff, don't you? All that screaming stuff. I was like, well, I play metal, but, like, you know, you can understand our vocalists. And, and, right. <laughs> you know, like, he's screaming, but he it's, sings a little bit. Too. Yeah. Like, his, you know, give it a try, bud. Like, <laughs> That's that's hilarious. I think that's that's interesting where I don't know, did you have that same did you have tenacity to drive people like all your friends to the shows when you were younger? I think I was more probably hauling the gear cuz okay. I, I was drove like kind of like a minivan and stuff for the longest time, so a lot of times like Not the little Honda Fit that you have now. No. no. <laughs> Which actually that thing it's I've fit out so many things in there. It's kind of funny. It's so called it's a name fit. appropriate. I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like my whole guitar <laughs> rig fits in here. No, I had a Yaris before that, and you didn't have any problems with that. Oh, I had tons of problems. I couldn't even fit my Explorer case in there. It's like I had to really like shimmy it, like against almost break the windows <laughs> out to get it. I was like, man, this sucks. Like, but yeah, you probably should have just brought all your gear to the dealership so you could test out yeah, the cars. In yeah, real life. that definitely would have been, especially <laughs> the, the the Explorer because it's a freaking coffee table. That's hilarious. Did you have that same tenacity, or not same tenacity, but did you have more of a drive to get people to come out to your shows when you were younger? Because you were talking about dropping flyers and stuff like that, or did you still think about you know it's still silly? Like it was more, I think. Im- it wasn't so personal back okay. then. It was just kind of like, I'm going to drop these wherever and, you know, hope that somebody cares and comes out and kind of thing. I think now, nowadays it's like kind of, you know, I'm just going to invite people I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and hope they bring out, especially local, um, just because local and, and, you know, that kind of goes back with, you know, Joe, Joe is in the band with me so you know me and joe like know a lot of the same people like we all kind of know a lot of the same people between like stone brew crow hunter and you know roachzilla and all that it's kind of so when we're all playing a show together it's almost hard to promote it because it's all the same people that you know yeah so it's like we're we can only expect so much of a turnout out of it you know unless outside people just happen to hear about it and like you know hear the buzz about the community and want to actually come out and check it out so it I feel like it kind of limits us, but at the same time, it's kind of awesome just 
playing with friends and having people, you know, out there rocking And not out. having to care as much. Yeah. Like, you still do, but it's it's probably a big weight lifted off of you to be able to play with all your friends and not have to push and try to poke and prod everybody to come out to the show. Yeah, and, like, we just played with, uh, Coach just played with Any Given Sin back in November with a Shallow Deep, Others May Fall. What is that, the uh, Five South? Yeah, down Five South, and that was cool as hell because I swear, like, like kind of shallow deep and like the the older guys like that like in hydro effects and all that like it's just kind of almost like a separate click like it's almost like there's a scenes within a scene within a scene and it was kind of cool to be able to like have people from those other scenes just to kind of actually watch us for once because that was like kind of the first time i've played in like front of a lot of people that i did not know i did not recognize and that place was you know it was pretty pretty packed at for the moment i would think so um it's still wild to me that any given sin has built themselves up yeah, so they're, much they're blowing up like yeah hopefully they don't get too popular for me to remember to reach out because yeah. that's <laughs> that's gonna be the problem is that i'll forget uh this this whole thing has been i to your point about like it's just fun right like you're you're enjoying yourself and all that stuff. Like that's that's all this is for me, is trying to enjoy myself and talk to people that I haven't talked to in like ten years. Yeah, uh, which is fantastic because then you you're able to think about all the different stuff, uh, that that's happened and the teen center shows by themselves are just ridiculous. But that's the bringing the different genres together is what I was always trying to do there. So I was always looking for like one or two. Calvert bands to kind of um, anchor it, but also bring other um, other bands from the other counties. And that was a conscious decision for me to make sure that I'm doing that. Do you guys think about that at all? To because now yeah, yeah, everybody's we, super connected, right? Yeah, we we definitely think about that. Like, um, I mean, we'll pull like Mall Dyer up from like St. Mary's to play up in Dunkirk, and you know they'll have us playing down at the Brass Rail. But like even further than that, like Kid will have bands from like Baltimore come down, like As I Burn, like bands like that. It's so I mean he's doing a really good job about pulling bands from different places and stuff like that to kind of you know bring them down. Hopefully we get to play up there and just you know mix it up a little bit, just you know because. Eventually, everybody's gonna get sick of seeing the same damn bands all the time. Yeah, like even even in a community, like at some point, it's just gonna be like, all right, this is kind of like same old thing. Well, yeah, that's that's what I get kind of nervous about, right? So the people that have been playing music for the past 10, 15 years are the same people that are playing music now, and you know we were talking about that younger generation a little bit ago, right? You were saying that we have clicks like scenes within scenes but i think it's more of a generation thing yeah definitely yeah i definitely agree with that the only issue kind of with that is that there's really like no other younger generations after this so it makes me nervous yeah music's gonna be weird soon in general like even the mainstream it's yeah you got ozzy probably about to croak soon like I don't I, think he'll ever die, but I mean, I mean yeah. I hope not, but it's <laughs> it's just going to be wild to live in a world. Like, even I was pretty bummed out about Tom Petty. Like, I, right, I love right. Tom. Tom Petty, like, gave me one of my, like, most memorable concerts ever. It was like a little Woodstock at Merriweather. It was That's like, great. 
and then you know when he died it was just like you know i still listen to him all the time so i'm just kind of like shit this dude's dead <laughs> like i can't go see him again like i really wanted to go see him again and you know a lot of kids are gonna miss that like the inspiration coming right. from like these older bands so right. it's you know, anybody who doesn't get to see, like, Black Sabbath ever. Like, I, I was lucky to be at that OzFest where they did the original lineup. and Iron That Ma- must have been wild. Yeah, and Iron Maiden played, like, right before him. So I was, like, in heaven. I was like, that's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It's crazy. You know, kids aren't going to get that. It's all they're going to have is tribute bands and, like, cover bands to hear all this badass music. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's going to be butchered. Yeah, that's... uh. The tribute bands is is really weird to me. I like it because it's the same music, but it's still really weird that you're just taking someone else's music and now you just throw more lights on it and you're able to have some kind of like novelty with it. I don't I don't know. It's it's really weird to me. Yeah, and then then when they dress like them, I feel like that's kind of crossing the line a little bit because yeah. it's like unless they really look identical, but even that's just kind of like I just kind of picture these dudes at home, like, really, like, kind of yelling each other and giving everybody, like, shit, kind of like, hey, man, you got to take off, like, you can't wear that much eyeliner. Like, Mick Mars didn't really look like that. Like, come on, dude. (laughs) Well, I don't know at one point where it becomes, like, not flattering, but, like, sue-worthy, like, lawsuit-worthy. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. Because everybody, even cover bands are so worried about, like, guys, like, worry about playing. Oh, we can't play that song. Like, we might get sued or something. Right. We don't have permission. And I'm like, I mean, I don't think they're going to know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, unless you're, like, selling out, like, a whole bar, like, weeks in a row. Like, I don't think they're going to, like, that band's going to be like, hey, that guy's playing our song and he's doing better than we are right well, now. Well, I also don't think that the bar is going to matter, right? It, you got to have in stadiums, but... That is so yeah I I think that's interesting because we're in a place where if you're doing a digital cover like if you all you're doing is just posting up online if you don't pay the royalties to it you're screwed and you could easily get a cease and desist and just your whole life's done that's that's weird I've never really thought about the like the tribute bands I guess obviously they get like they pay royalties or something but I don't I don't know where it is from flattery to rip off. Yeah, cuz I feel like a lot of them it's probably like a 50-50. It's probably, you know, some of them just really want to do it just because, you know, it's going to guarantee them money. They're like, you know, people love this band, so let's let's be a tribute band and do this and you know, people are going to come to see us. We're going to, you know, we'll be able to pay our bar tabs at the end of the night <laughs> and still take home some money. And then the other side of it's just kind of like you know, we just really love this band, so we're going to play this music, and we want people to, like, you know, take that experience with them. Yeah. It was weird. So I did a festival. Not really me, but I helped with it. The Phoenix Fest years ago. Um, I don't know. Did you ever... Is that the online radio? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually had a song uh, played on that. Um, I had a show on there for, like... Three months, maybe. I don't remember. But I would go talk nonsense and then try to play as much local music as possible, right? But I remember the headliner for that festival was supposed to be, I think it was Les Zeppelin. So the lady version oh, yeah, of yeah, Led yeah, Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah for real. Yeah, but that's still like, I, it's Led Zeppelin's music, but it's just they're It's ladies. a gimmick. Yeah. I mean, it's a gimmick. 
Yeah, I just I, that's so weird to me. I well, then you have was... the the Iron Maidens too. Oh, I didn't know that was a yeah. Thing. It's an all female, and I mean they're awesome. Like they play it down to the like perfection almost, right. and it sounds amazing. But it's just like yeah, it's like I don't know. Like, do you guys write your own stuff <laughs> right. sometimes? Or... And you've never got into the cover bands too much around here, right? I have tried. <laughs> I have. To, I've gone to a couple tryouts, but it's just like something's either not clicking. I know one time, um, I think I, yeah, the band Just Push Play, I think it is. That was years ago, right? Yeah. When, this was a couple years ago. I think I tried out even now and. Like I showed up there. I think he had sent me one set list, and mm-hmm. then he sent me like the correct one after, but I never got that. So I showed uh. up there like playing all the wrong songs, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't do those anymore." <laughs> I was like, well, "That sucks." <laughs> I was like, "Those are the only ones I learned." <laughs> that's that's hilarious. But um, yeah, it's just I've never I have such an easier time just writing. Like it just I don't know. It's I don't even. I don't know how to word this. I just don't. It just happens, I guess. Like when I learned uh, Passage to Bangkok by Rush all the way through. I Mm -hmm. played that thing for like two weeks straight. I hit like every part of the solo and everything. And I didn't play for two days and I couldn't play the goddamn (laughs) song at all. And I was like, well, this is why I'm not in a cover band because practice makes perfect. But you have to practice all the time. Yeah, and it's almost kind of, you almost have to listen to the songs, like, well, I do anyways, pretty much anytime I'm learning stuff, like, I will listen to, like, I listen to Crow Hunter probably all day, every day for, like, two or three weeks, like, while I'm working, I got my earbud in, and it's just straight Crow Hunter, like, the entire time, and I'm just like, all right, oh, that's that part, oh, that's that one riff, okay, that's that, and you know, I did the same thing with Help High and mm-hmm. Help High was a little easier because I had been listening to them like kind of since I found out about them. Yeah, because they've been around for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, I will outplay anything just to learn it. And then, you know, even I don't typically get sick of listening to the songs after that either because it's, you know, I know I'm doing it for like memorization and stuff to where you get to the point where you don't have to think about it. It's like, you know, you just kind of remember hearing the song. So it's, you know, overplays in the only way pretty much, you know. Right. So you don't lose any of the feeling in the song for you? Um, <clears throat> not at first, but probably after a while, it's, you know, I, I get to the point where I'll play a couple shows, you know, right. I, I do really good. And then it's like, I'll go do that with something else. And then I'll kind of back down on what I was doing <laughs> and like do a trade off. It's almost like, my memory is getting so full. I can't sit there and, you know, like I just played with Crow Hunter at the Velvet Lounge last week and I hadn't played their songs in forever. And I really had to go back and like do that same yeah. grind for like, I think I did it for like two days straight. It was just like, man, it's like relearn it all over again. So does that give you any kind of different perspective or maybe the respect for the ones that just play covers? No. I mean, I mean, I respect the fact that they do it and that they can play it, but it's, you know, nowadays, like I get back in the day, you know, they were putting the record back and they had to find that spot right. on the record where the song was and you're ruining your records because they're not made to do that. And nowadays it's just like you got guitar ca- tabs, you got YouTube, you got so many different ways to learn a song. It's almost kind of like, 
you know, it really doesn't take, I mean, you still have to be able to play it, I guess, but it just, the amount of effort it takes to start a cover band really isn't that much. I mean, of course you gotta, you gotta find the right type of people, you know, you're, you know, your click. Right. But I mean, I just don't think it takes as much effort to really do it. Your two most current and active ones are Coastus Clear and Hellpie, right? Yep. So how did you join Hellpie? Because they've been around for a long time. First time I met those guys was at um, Sean Sweeney, the bassist of Crow Hunter, had a big kind of cookout at his mm-hmm. house, and he had a bunch of bands play, and Electric Man has played, and Hellpie was there too. And that's the first time I met him and heard him, and I was like, whoa, these guys are freaking, <laughs> like, this is awesome. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I didn't know this existed here. And like ever since then, I just kind of listened to him, started going to a bunch of shows and stuff. Um, and unfortunately, like eventually, like their bass player had um, passed away. Oh, okay. Um, and then they had found somebody after that, um, a guy named John, who I think um, was in a band with Eddie. And they were in a band called Cock Farm together. I believe that's all right. But um, and after that, I guess he just wasn't making them the practices or something like that. I'm not really sure. And they knew I was listening to the songs. I had come to all the shows and stuff and we had hung out a couple of times. Like, hey, and, you play guitar. You can probably play bass. Yeah. I knew um he he first told me about it when I was actually filling in for bass on for Stone Brew down at <laughs> That's Ape Hangers. Because um, I did play with Stone Brew for a little bit on guitar. So it was like they had me filling for that since they knew I knew the songs. And Eddie saw me. He was like, I think I want you to play bass for me. I was like, I definitely want you to play bass for us. I was like, well, cool, man. Let me know. So I started filling in when the uh, bass player couldn't make it. And then eventually just kind of led to me being in the band. Nice. And how long have you been in that band then? I think it's only been about a year. Okay. Do you guys have anything coming up for that? Yeah. Right now we're actually writing a, I think it's going to be like a six song EP. And we're going to have that come out. And then hopefully we'll be back playing shows and stuff like kind of mid mid year maybe maybe kind of late in the year we're gonna go into oblivion with mike and try to crank some tunes out is oblivion up in baltimore uh he's actually in upper marlboro upper marlboro okay awesome dude like probably the hands down the best studio experiences i've ever had really (laughs) like he the environment's awesome like he is golden on the mixing board and like everything he does so it's like it's it's really cool. I've been I've had some very bad studio experiences. I'm sure. And then with Coast is Clear, you've been with that band because you created that band or were one of the original ones at least. No, I no. actually uh kind of the same thing. <laughs> bass player was leaving. Um, I actually joined them playing bass, and we were what would that be a four piece? Yeah, it was a four piece for the longest time, and then I had gotten a second job to where I just had the hustle for a while and right. I knew Cody from um, when I worked at Hot Licks. He came into lessons, and I swear at one point he was coming in for lessons for every instrument. So I was like, I'm gonna hit this dude up because I know he, <laughs> you know, I know he's a cool dude, and like I know he's really good. So um, I had him start filling in on bass, and then eventually I quit the second job, and then we had, we were both playing bass when we did shows for a while, and then they were like, Why aren't you playing guitar? I was like, I was like, I don't know, I'm just just here playing what I'm playing. <laughs> Did you have two bassists on stage? Yeah. Why? Something different. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's got a little spinal tap up there. Yeah, that's that's definitely something different. How is that dynamic? Like what 
writing wise, what were you trying to do? I think typically, like if he was down at the lower end of the neck, I'd be at the higher okay. end. I'd try to harmonize with it. Okay. Or like Cody plays like a lot of melodies and stuff like that in his bass, almost like a kind of geezer butler kind of style. And I would kind of more just keep the like the basic rhythm of it. Okay. So like I wouldn't always like mimic what he's doing. So that way I don't know how it sounded per se because <laughs> you know all I heard was my bass. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like I was like, I hope this sounds good. Like That's wild. I I would have never It was pretty cool for a while. I, I really enjoyed like trying something new, you know, just seeing how it worked out. And then, you know, I got on guitar after that and tried still playing like a lot of my bass riffs on the guitar and we never really sat down ever to show me like what was happening on the guitar. And then I was like, oh man, we should have probably did that. That's what I was wondering what was going to happen is if, if it was just like carried over from one instrument to the other one. It did probably not as well as I thought it had. Cause it's like, it's like one of those scenarios, like when you're at practice, like, you know, you got to get your volumes right so you can hear right, each other. Right, right. And we didn't have a PA or anything set up, guitars, mic. So half the time I couldn't hear the rest of them anyway. So I'm just playing, you know, we're all clicking, playing in time. But it's like <laughs> now that I'm like really going through learning these riffs, I'm like, man, all those shows. <laughs> we played all those shows. This is so bad. Like, it's hilarious. It's embarrassing. Oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> What does Coast uh, Coastus Clear have coming up? Anything? We are right now kind of doing all that <laughs> we were just talking about still. And we're right now we're kind of recording a bunch of scratches in the okay. in the basement. Um Glenn's kind of got this whole setup with like digital board and like we were able to record and kind of makes everything easy. So we're kind of finalizing our songs pretty much. And then we're gonna hit the studio with Mike and hopefully release like a pretty big album nice. as far as a lot of songs i mean it's gonna be platinum right That's, yeah you know yeah what's beyond platinum like double platinum yeah i think you're right you just start losing minerals like oh that's that's hilarious okay we're going, we're going triple nitrogen on this one <laughs> it's so hot this is gas yeah oh that's so funny when you're when you're writing with coast is clear how does that compare with uh, the Help High? Because you guys are a little bit different as far as styles go. Yeah, it's a, it's a totally different kind of beast, which is which is awesome because it's like Help High right now, the stuff we're kind of writing is a lot more like thrashy. So it's mm-hmm. kind of taking me back to almost like my younger days. Like, hey, I got to remember how to play all this like kind of thrashy stuff. And it's, and it's awesome. And Coast is more like, I guess, melodic and groove right. to where it's, you know, it still gets heavy, but a lot of it's just kind of, I don't know the right word, I guess, coasting through, if you will. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's cool to be able to switch it up. And even like when I play with Crow Hunter, it's like, you know, I was saying it was kind of refreshing because it's Crow Hunter's just, you know, basic riffs, but it's like hard rock. Like it's, it's right. still different from everything else I'm doing. So it's still like a nice refresher, of course. Like, and I feel like I need that music. Like it helps me out because it, I play everything like unfortunately I worked at a music store where even the like the postal guy would show up and hand me just CDs. I didn't even know this guy. He just started showing up handing me like albums and stuff one day. It was a lot of like festival bands like 
I remember the one one was the bridge, and this was a while ago, so I can't even tell you the other ones. But I just got a lot of, I guess, outside influence I probably would have never had before because a lot of people just don't get out of what they listen to. But I was kind of forced. You know, we did a bluegrass jam at Hot Lake, so I really learned to appreciate bluegrass because watching those guys play, like dudes would come in and rip on the banjo. It's like it's insane. Yeah, you don't think about it like before you like before you actually see it in person, I don't think it gives you the the right impression and everything. And like from there I got into like, you know, real heavy finger picking guys like Tommy Emmanuel. I even started listening to like Jerry Reed and Chet right. Atkins and stuff like that. And I was just like, Man, there's a whole nother world out here and Matt Barry, he I re- did an interview with him, I think it was like my ninth one or something like that. And he was talking about Brad Paisley, if I remember right. Brad Paisley is, is amazing guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. his album Play, that's the only one I've heard remotely, like, any songs off of. But he rips. It's like... It's phenomenal. You can't deny he's an awesome musician. Like Right. And you... The, the guys that are metalheads but are only specific metalheads... Unlike you, that you've like been exposed to all these all this different stuff. Like, if I could get more metalheads to just look at what bluegrass is live, the speeds that they're doing that's that yeah. beats out most of the the shreds that are happening. I, I love the there's a video of Chet Atkins. I think the song is Snowbird, mm-hmm. but he's playing sweeps. Yeah, like he's 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 back in the day like. <laughs> playing sweeps and i'm just like damn i thought this was new like right. this guy's back here like in the freaking like 50s and 60s like like it's nuts I'm like i don't can't even wrap my head around it and like i don't know if you've heard of tommy emmanuel but seeing that guy play live and just watching him on youtube he's he's basically has the same style as chet but he's playing the bass rhythm with his thumb he's playing chords in the melody at the same time and it's like it makes you feel bad about yourself yeah it does but it's still kind of like man people can do that and it's funny at his shows the entire time he's like trying to talk himself down he's like i'm not that amazing (laughs) he's like i just sat there for hours and worked this out he's like you can do it too and he'll he literally will break down like what he's playing on some of his songs and show you like live like it's a you know, like it's a freaking clinic or something. I'm like, this guy's just freaking all around awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's I. I don't know what I would do with that at, at a show. Like, I would first be amazed, and then try to wrap my head around it, and just probably just leave. Just be like, I don't. I'll never be able to do that. So I'm just gonna go home and cry about it. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys where it's like you you want to be like him, but it's you know it's not going to happen. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just going to sound bad if I do that. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, but I, I think that's interesting. If if you could just get more people that are just like, all, all they talk about is how technical metal is and how like that's the hardest thing to play and that's all they listen to. If you could just break them out a little bit, it would it would be like mind-blowing yeah, for definitely. some of them. And I mean, it's, you know, I got kind of lucky too because my mom was the metalhead and like the rocker. And my dad was really into, like, Hendrix, like, Zeppelin. He got me into, like, Joe Satriani, which Joe Satriani was one of the first big influences on me as far as playing. And 
you know, I just kind of had the best of both worlds. And of course my mom gave me the Beatles too. So like my, my shuffle right now goes from like Slayer to Tom Petty to, <laughs> you know, like some Final Fantasy, like background music. And then, you know, back into like whatever. It's like you never know what you're going to get. And some of, some of the video game music is just intense i will be a total nerd about that right now (laughs) like that is some of the most peaceful music like ever created and it's like i can't believe this dude's like hasn't blown up more than he already has like it's pretty cool because i think he's done a a couple other video game soundtracks but i don't remember anything else that he's done because that 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 final fantasy 7 is such a big thing for him yeah and then he tours with the like the black mages too which is the metal version of everything so it's like this guy does fucking everything he's like over here composing next thing you know like he's sounding all classical and then he's over here sounding like dream theater on this side of the room so it's hilarious when when you think about the bands that you're in and you know your next step is putting out some records like writing putting out some records what do you want to do with the bands yourself have you thought about what you personally might want to do with these? Honestly, I haven't really thought like too hard like into the future right now because it's like I'm just kind of doing it, I guess. I don't <laughs> I don't really like right now. I feel like I'm just kind of like on autopilot and it's like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I'm still doing music like it's still pretty awesome. So and again, it's like I, I still haven't really put my finger on like why I'm actually still like I don't you know, I used to sit at home and, you know, I'd write songs and I'd upload them and just put them out there for the world to hear. And I don't know. I don't have a reason really why I was doing that. Like, you know, I want people to hear it, obviously, but it's I feel like it's more it's just like, hey, this exists now. Here you go. You know, throw it out there. Send the vibrations out into the universe. Hopefully something will hear it eventually. Oh, hopefully something lands in six. Right. Yeah. What do you think that you would do without music? Probably find a nice gutter or a tree to live in. <laughs> like, I honestly don't think, I I don't know. It's, even at, even like when I'm working, like if I got to have music like just in my ear, I got to have it somewhere around. It just, it honestly just, it controls my life. Like yeah. it's a pretty huge part of my life. It always has been. You know, I've had like weird experiences with music all the time. Like the other day I was going to help high practice and we were listening to, I was in the car listening to a song that we had just recorded the week before. And I show up, turn off the car, open the door and they're at the exact same spot, literally where I just turned it off and then the song ended. I was like, that's wild. That was weird as shit. And then had another experience back in middle school where I was listening to my Sony Walkman (laughs) with the CD (laughs) and I had Oasis in there and I think it was morning glory or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, I'm singing it in my head and, you know, listening to it and, you know, I turn off the CD player, walk in the house, turn on MTV back when they played music videos and the song is at the exact same, like millisecond, the same millisecond. Like I can't make this (laughs) shit up. Like it, the same click, the same everything. Yeah, like it's like I was like mouthing the words and I turn on the TV and it's like, you know, I'm so excited. I just started singing like super fucking loud with it because I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I don't know what just happened, but. That's crazy. What do you think you've done uh, the most to be able to balance everything from your life that you have going on with the music? Because, I mean, it sounds like music has been such a big integral part of you. 
Have you been able to figure out always how to have that peace in there while doing your career, the the life that you lead? You're you're married now, all that other stuff. So have you thought about that at all, or is it just something that comes kind of natural for you? I think about it, but I don't think I do a very good job executing it. Like it's sometimes it feels like an it's addiction, I guess. Like I'm just like this is what I do. Like this is what I have to do to like maintain me, I guess. Like it's right. You know, and I guess the other thing too is it also helps keep friendships alive. It's you know, if I didn't play in these bands, I I don't know how often I'd see my friends, you know. It's kind of holding all that together too. Yeah, I mean, especially when you get older, I feel like it's very difficult to keep relationships. It's even more difficult to start new ones. Yeah, it's a it's almost nearly impossible to keep all your friendships. Like it's you know, I've just gone through a couple things where it's just like, I don't know what to do with this anymore, man. Like, (laughs) I'm just getting too kind of old to sit here and like go back and forth. It's like, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's just everything's complicated pretty much the older you get. And, you know, everybody's so busy, but it's, you know, you got to remember to look at it. You know, they're doing the same thing you are. Like, they're they're on the same grind you are. It's, you know, and if, you know, if somebody get, has, like, a bad day or something like that, you know, it's, you got to do your best to, like, I'm going to have a bad day probably three days from now. <laughs> I might be an asshole. Like, tomorrow it could be, like, 30 minutes from now. Like, I hope somebody, you know, thinks about, you know, the next time they might be an ass and like kind of balances it out right. and help help you pull it pull yourself out of that. Do you think that mentality helps you be more consistent with the bands that you're into? Yeah. I mean it it definitely does help, but it's you know, not everybody's always on the same page. Right. So that's that's when everything always goes to shit. It's you know, if you know, I could be having the best day, but I show up and somebody else like had the worst day of their life. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be awesome. <laughs> but we'll help you through it, man. Like, that's what we do. Uh, bands are bands are a lot. It's, it's, it's like definitely some family matter stuff. Like, <laughs> like it, it's literally like a family. And, you know, you definitely have your good days. You have your bad days. You have the days you just show up to band practice and nobody can play the songs. Right, uh, yeah. And it's like, you, you never know what you're getting into. And... There's definitely a lot of baggage with bands, but it's yeah, it's a whole other relationship that you got to maintain. Yeah, it's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of a uh, miscommunication, I guess, especially with like texts and stuff like that. Like it's, you know, mi- miscommunications like the evil of the world. I don't think humans were ready to talk. Like we haven't, we didn't really sit down and like think it through <laughs> first. <laughs> like, like we didn't figure it all out. And now we're like here, like. I'm talking so much. It's like, that, yes, that's perfect. So I can't tell you how many times that I have sent a text message meaning one thing and it'd be fully misconstrued on a whole other aspect of it. And that's how relationships just get blown up. Like, yeah. and it, it's so difficult. I, I think that's a really good point where we're not, we're just not ready for the technology that we have. No, and so I don't think we're ready for anything. Like, I don't think we were ready to think much. Like, <laughs> like look, look what we're doing to the world. It's like... That's completely fair. It's, yeah. it's wild, man. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of think a little too places I probably shouldn't think, I guess, maybe. I don't know, but it's... 
Yeah, I don't think people were ready to be people. That's so funny. I'm not sure if we were forced to do this or if we even like, you know, the whole simulation thing. I don't know if we paid. Like maybe we just paid to do this and the really old people just paid a lot of money. And then the really famous people are already, you know, famous out in whatever like Wally world we're living in where we're all just in the, you know, the automatic cruising chairs or whatever. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're all all in the spaceship getting fat just – in their in their little uh hover chairs yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's that's fantastic like who knows what the fuck's going on like nobody <laughs> nobody if somebody does i'm scared i'll put it that right, way right if, there, if there's actually people out there that know what's going on i'm like got weird <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know how to handle this anymore that's so funny yeah i th- i think i think that's the biggest thing is that people don't know how to people and uh we're not that's that's great because we're we're just not ready for the technology that we produce. We shouldn't be in charge. There's, we need everybody needs an adult. That's that's how it goes. Pretty much, just someone that's actually been there before. Yeah, and like even sometimes that doesn't even help because it's like, all right, look at it this way: like dinosaurs had feathers now, right? Right, right. That's what we're finding. So, out, yeah. what does the first Jurassic Park movie mean to kids now? <laughs> Oh yeah. Or like you know, thirty years from now, they're gonna look back and be like, "What are those? Like they were so wrong." You know, some people think the world's flat. Is it flat? I don't know. I've never been to space. I don't think it is. I'll say that right now. I do not think I it hope is. Not. I've seen the round ball in the sky. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not a disc. I know how gravity works. Yeah. It all it all goes down to the center. But maybe. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe they go back and put feathers on the Velociraptors. They probably will. I you're probably right. As soon as CG gets better and everything, they're just gonna be like, let's just go back and layer over top of the movie. Can you? And then we'll be correct. Can you just imagine the T Rex being a giant chicken? I hope they go that route because <laughs> that'll really change the movie. That'll really change the entire vibe. Oh, like not even like an angry chicken, but he's just hungry. Right. He, you know, just want to lay some eggs and chill and just kind of hang out, you know? Oh, man. I'm just thinking about that final scene where it goes into the building and just... Oh, and the banner messes, falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just messes up the <laughs> the velociraptors and just big giant chicken instead. There's just like really big drumsticks out <laughs> in the museum. It's like... Oh, that would, be, that would be fantastic. That's a great point that I've never thought about, though, is the fact that... Uh, as as we find out more, and then there's like feathers on stuff. You just have, like George Lucas going back to all of his movies, trying to make sure everything's great. But you just put George Lucas in charge of everything, and you just ruin everybody's lives. Yeah, it's, I don't know, but it's you know even that like that little point there, like dinosaurs with feathers, like everything's like that. Like the entire, everything, every idea is kind of made to be. You know, everybody should be okay to the fact, like, you know, what we're, how we're living right now might be completely wrong. Like, all the ideas, like, some of the ideas we have might be just, like, completely just, hey, this is not what's happening. Like, <laughs> oh, there's no life out in the, you know, in space and everything, but it's, you know, eventually, are they just going to find it? And it's like, oh, it was right there the whole time. It was, yeah, we can see it through this telescope. <laughs> like, oh, we just weren't looking at the right time. And, there's this little dude like waving on Mars or something like, <laughs> He's hey, we've been there the whole time. Hey, we don't want you here. We we see all the trash around Earth and we just 
that's like clean that shit up, dude. <laughs> that is going to be a bigger issue than I think anything else. All the trash that's in our orbit, I think that's going to be a much bigger issue than even polluting everything else. Because it's all going to come down in a big fiery blaze. It's a, that episode of Futurama, man, with the big trash ball. Yes, they yes. launch it back and then it comes back years later. I swear, that is like, it's going to happen. That's hilarious. But Seymour's going to be down there waiting for Fry <laughs> and there's not going to be shit anybody could do about it. Oh, that's one of the, the few TV shows that I'll uh, list, not listen, that I'll watch from front to back. Yeah, and I'll do that every like year or two. I'll just start the whole thing, and then I just get sad at the dog and just try to laugh at all the other stuff. But that's probably the most also heartbreaking moment in television. That's got to be. But I I legitimately think that all the junk that we have in in the uh, orbit is going to haunt us. Even trying to do like space exploration now has to yeah, be don't the most have dangerous to, like, thing ever. They have to like guide between all the bullshit up there. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, hey, we put that there. Like I wonder Can how you many imagine like, all the technology that they have to have to track all the bullshit that we have in there and then also calculate all the ridiculousness to get around that when they launch rockets. Like when we start pushing people to space for fun, everyone's going to die. <laughs> yeah like i don't and i don't know how like far out like the trash like orbits and stuff but i know they're they're trying to do like those solo plane flights right where yeah. you just go in like the yeah. lower atmosphere yeah. it's like what are you gonna see you're gonna see like a mcdonald's <laughs> bag out there like it's like hey this is who we are all right well and the other part about that is uh when they eventually get all the trash out of the ocean where are they gonna put it Back into space. I think just at this point, we are just don't know what to do with ourselves. We just, and that kind of goes back to my point. Like everybody's just acting like we know what we're doing, but you know, it's no, like everybody always wants to listen to the person in charge. It's like, I guarantee that person in charge has no idea what the hell he's doing. (laughs) He's just like, I don't know people. I just say shit and people listen to me. I just. I'm just making shit up and they're going with it. I got a pretty cool life though. All yeah, right. you're just you're just in charge by happenstance, just because someone said yes to you. Yeah, it's like I didn't ask for this, but <laughs> here I am and you're listening to me. I don't know. That's that's fantastic. Um, all right, so we'll we'll wrap up with this because uh, this is uh, this is the way that we end it, and I I don't really I want to just talk about bullshit because um, that's. The whole idea of space travel and then just running into a fucking satellite is horrific, but also hilarious. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know. I, it would be terrible to be an astronaut and do all that training and shit and then blast off into space and your freaking thing blows <laughs> up because you hit like a piece of like a test, like right. whatever, you know, it's just a, a McDonald's arch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Only half of it's lit up, though. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, so what do you think that you've learned the most about yourself when it comes to music? I think I've just learned that to like accept a lot, I guess, especially like when I'm older now, like I just like accepting new things. And I think I just, I'm trying to do that with people too. 
I guess it's all accepting. It's also seeing like different, like the whole different perspectives, like kind of taking a step back and realizing like, you know, with the whole genres, like you were talking yeah. before, like how metal guys are typically just like straight metal and they don't want anything outside of that. It's, you know, and I almost hope I meet like people kind of seeing me just listen to whatever, like it might help them kind of mm-hmm. like jump out of there. If, you know, if I hand them like a piece of music, they might actually listen to it and like it, but it's just kind of accepting things for what they are, even if it's not, you know, what you want it to be. I like that. And we talked about a lot of you not even knowing why you do music, but do you think there's one thing or a couple things that keep you driven to do it? Yeah, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> like it's a, it's like an internal drive. I can't turn off. Like it's, I always have rhythms in my head. Like it's like, there's always music just flowing through my head. And I have a tendency to kind of like, unfortunately like fade out when you know something's going on or something or like i zone out like mm-hmm. my mom said I've, I've always been in my own world so it's like unfortunately i feel like i drift there a lot and but it's you know i always have like a rhythm going on in my head like and i can always kind of pick something up and just start playing something because it's just there's always just something there i'm grabbing at and but why it's there i have no idea it's just always been there I like it. I think that's it.